0: Okay, here we go. We're going live in 3, two, 1. Grab your mason jars. Strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux. The Canning Diva.
1: Hey there, everyone tuning in. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back with you all for another episode of Canning with the Diva. I'm Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva, and we are going to focus on pressure canning mushrooms. Now, there is so many ways we can use mushrooms, but I want to break down the actual mushroom for just a moment before we get into the nitty gritty. We're going to focus on cultivated mushrooms. However, I am going to deviate for just a smidge later on in the episode to talk about canning foraged mushrooms. So definitely uh, stay tuned throughout the whole episode because I want to give you uh, the knowledge. I want to give you the instructions, the recipe, make it easy for you. But I also want to enlighten you a little bit on some of the controversy you're hearing on reading online, you know, that it's not safe to to can wild mushrooms. and And that's actually not the truth. It's not unsafe to can mushrooms, whether they're cultivated or whether they're foraged. What it comes down to is nobody wants to say, go ahead and can them because they don't want to take the liability on if you don't know what mushroom you're foraging out in the forest. So if you don't know how to forage properly and you don't know how to identify certain mushrooms from another, by all means, purchase a cultivated mushroom from the store and put those into jars. But I'll I'll spend a bit more time with those of you who love to forage and who actually know the difference between some of the copycats out there, um, the instructions are the same. So whether you're purchasing the mushroom or foraging the mushroom, the pressure canning tips, the steps, and the processing times all remain the same. So pretty cool. All right. So let's talk a bit about cultivated mushrooms. Now, they are going to come in a huge array of flavors and textures and sizes. And what we love most about the mushroom is its earthy richness. Um, You know, you you have something that sometimes is sweet. Um, Earthy, I like that as a description because it truly depicts, you know, the mushroom's uh, foundational flavoring. Um, But they are quite versatile and they can be incorporated into a wide variety of dishes. Now, some of the common mushrooms that we will gravitate towards in the store or when we're creating a variety of meals at home will be things like the white button mushroom. A Italian brown mushroom is also called a crimini. Uh, The portobello mushrooms are quite popular as well. Now, you can get the very large ones or the baby bellas, they'll call them. Um, Shiitake and oyster mushrooms are also quite popular. And then, of course, when you start talking about morales, now, if you can get a morale mushroom cultivated Um, you know, that's awesome. Uh, if you happen to be a forager and we love doing this in Michigan, especially in the spring, we'll go out and we'll forage for morale mushrooms. Um, those take a bit extra of a a cleaning soaking step, uh, for, so we're not talking about those today. That's going to be the one exclusion. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Cause those are like the, Probably the best mushrooms in the world, right? <laughs> I'll have to do a separate podcast on those, so I'm not going to let you down for too long. But today we're going to focus on your cultivated, uh, more common mushrooms like your your white buttons, your Italian browns, your portobellos, your shiitake, and your oyster mushrooms. Now, each, like I said, provides you know a range of flavor, um, a, a range of uses. And so for most of us, we want to have canned mushrooms in our pantry because we either use them as pizza toppers, uh, nacho toppers. That's another good one. Uh, We might use them in pasta dishes or in stir fries. Oftentimes, we'll drain a can and maybe put it in soup. I love pan frying my canned mushrooms with, of course, some onions and garlic because I want to put it on top of a steak. There is absolutely no wrong way to utilize your home canned mushrooms. So have fun with that. It is, it's, it's amazing the amount of culinary creations that derive from an actual mushroom. And for those of you who don't eat meat, this is an amazing way to have them in a jar. Um, it's also an excellent way to create mushroom broth. And we'll touch on that for just a moment throughout the segment. And then um, if you, for instance, have my... Latest book that'll be coming out August of this year, August of twenty four. Uh, it'll be the Canning Diva presents Meals in a Jar. I have used a variety of mushrooms in my vegetarian chapter, and uh, throughout various other cuisines such as Asian, European. You're going to see a lot of mushroom use, so uh, keep that in mind uh, for meals in the jar down down the road. Pretty exciting stuff. But for me personally, I not only enjoy the taste of the mushroom, but I enjoy eating mushrooms because I know they are very uh, nutritionally dense. They have loads of protein, fiber, vitamins, minerals... And I will often add them, sometimes cooked, sometimes raw, to my diet in order to just get a a nice heavy dose of those nutrients. And so I implore you, if you haven't home canned mushrooms to date, uh, definitely add it to your list this year. It's going to be super easy and a lot of fun and very rewarding. And you'll see, like, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram... When I post recipes with mushrooms, or even just you know the instructions to putting mushrooms in a jar, um, you'll you'll see a lot of people chime in, and and say that once they started doing this, they they never bought a store bought mushroom in a can ever again. So you don't have to, um, you know, shop in that center aisles anymore. You know, you can really eliminate a lot of the aluminum canned products by doing this in your in your home. And it doesn't have to be uh, sliced or whole. It could be either, right? So keep, it, keep in mind if you've got a lot of those little baby white uh, button mushrooms and you use them in a particular way, you can preserve those whole in a jar. They don't have to always be sliced, so keep that in mind when you're thinking of a variety of different ways in which to use them. Uh, they're actually quite beautiful to be left whole. Um, baby portabellas, depending on their size, if you're if you're doing a, a pint jar full, um, or even um, a quart, you know that that is also an excellent uh, size to keep whole. Otherwise, you can slice them. That's typically how you're you're using them. So saving yourself that step prior to processing is simple. And then one thing I want you to think about as I'm talking through uh, the recipe and the instructions is I want you to think about the seasonings. Like how do you intend to use it? Because the beauty we have when we're pressure canning is we are free to experiment with uh, with spices and flavors. So whether it's, you know, adding black peppercorn or you want to add um, oregano or you want to spice them up a bit and add red pepper flakes, however you intend to use them, feel free to get creative with those spices. And remember, salt is merely for flavor it is not a requirement from a preservation or a safety standpoint. Okay. Now, I went through the cultivated mushrooms. Let's take a quick, uh, you know, we're going to veer to the right here. We're going to talk about canning wild mushrooms. And as I said earlier, you know, there's a debate on whether or not to home can wild mushrooms. And it always cracks me up when you see things that's you know, all capitalized letters, don't can wild mushrooms. They never say why. And it's quite um, frustrating, right, as an educator and as a professional canner to see these, these types of disclaimers or cautions. But see, they're not telling you the why and they're they're usually missing something when they give you these you know shouty cap recommendations and um what I want to make sure you understand is these types of notices or cautions um they say it's unsafe, but they they really they don't give you anything more they don't elaborate and, What it boils down to is, like I said earlier, no one wants to be held responsible for an individual foraging a toxic mushroom and then preserving it in a jar and then getting sick, right? So if you know what you're doing, if you're an experienced forager and you've been picking and consuming wild mushrooms for years, I have faith that you know what you're doing and I'm going to trust that you have critical thinking skills and the ability to discern between an actual, you know, edible mushroom or a lookalike toxic mushroom. And the reason, you know, this gets brought up is, you know, nature's always going to find a way, right? And if you, um, we're fighting for your survival and, you know, you wanted to continue to, to grow and thrive, you're going to do whatever you can to, con- to continue, right? Well, in nature, there's a lot of what we call copycat or look lookalike uh, species. And with mushrooms, there's two in particular that um, I, sp- I spoke about in a blog on, on my website at canningdiva.com. Uh, one is called the death cap, and the other is called the Big Laughing Gym. And they are both look-alike to um very delicious, normal edible ones. So let's start with the death cap. So it's a look-alike. One of the most dangerous mushrooms, though, is that death cap that I mentioned. It resembles several edible mushrooms. Mushrooms. It resembles things like a grisette, uh, a citron. Um, the citron, actually, and ironically, is called the false death cap. So I can see why, <laughs> personally, it's a little intimidating when you're like, wait a minute, hang on. Wait, wh- wh- which one's okay for me to eat? Like, I personally um, haven't made it my mission to um, forage. Heartily enough to to say, okay, yep, this is the proper one. This is the look alike. This is the false death cap. Like I am not, I am not in tune well enough in my foraging skills to identify those. But if you are, you're shaking your head and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the reason why the death cap is considered one of the most dangerous is because it does mirror so many others that are considered safe and are delicious. Well, the death cap contains potent toxins that can cause severe liver damage. And it could even kill you if ingested. So that, it's things like that, um, that nobody really wants to start talking about canning wild mushrooms. And they're like, oh, you're better off just staying away from them, buy them in a store. But if you've been foraging for some time now and you know what you're doing, you're like, eh, not even worried about it. The other one I mentioned was Big Laughing Jim. Now, I am not even going to try to enunciate the scientific name. Uh, but G-Y-M, like gym Class, it's Big Laughing Jim because it's, uh, I'm going to try it, Jimnopolis. <laughs> I don't think I got that right. Uh, Gymnopolis. Pili- pil-us? pilus. Yep. See, uh, we'll leave that for you folks at get into all of the techie names, but the Big Laughing Gym, it may resemble edible mushrooms, particularly the honey mushrooms. And that is something that if you're not ex- experienced, you're not going to be able to know the difference. Now, thankfully, the Big Laughing Gym, It it it's potentially toxic. Toxic, excuse me, you're more than likely going to have a really upset stomach, okay? Or your whole gastrointestinal uh, region may be upset, not just your tummy. Um, in some cases, it can contain hallucinogenic properties, not always. So thankfully, it's it it's toxic in the nature that it might make you either sick to your stomach or see things, uh, but it's not as deadly um, or as damaging as the death cap. But both, again, you know, they are lookalikes. And this is this is part of the reason why you hear what you hear or you read what you read on, their, on the internet. But, you know, there's enough successful foragers across the globe who've used the time-honored method of gathering food on a daily basis. And they often do it as a way of life. So, you know, I have no desire to impugn their knowledge or expertise. So if you know what you're doing... And you know how to gather the proper mushroom in the wild. I am completely confident that you will successfully preserve them in a jar using this method. Now, one individual, I actually really enjoyed her blog. She, um, let me pull up her name here. She preserved hen of the woods mushroom in a jar. And she did a fantastic job giving you step-by-step instructions. Now, her name is Haley. And she's got a, a beautiful blog that says uh, healthstartsinthekitchen.com. And one of her articles that she wrote back in October of 2018 is entitled, How to Can Metaki Hen of the Woods Mushrooms. Now, I'm not going to even try to pronounce the scientific. Grifola frondosa. I think I did it. <laughs> i think i did it but um she she also in the very beginning has this you know lengthy disclaimer uh, god bless her but she has done a beautiful job showing you what head of the woods mushroom looks like showing you how to properly clean it, how to process it. And then obviously, um, she also gives you, if you don't want to pressure can it, she gives you a really fun pickled recipe on her blog as well. So check her out. She's at healthstartsinthekitchen.com. And she gives you imagery step-by-step and then yes, just like what we're going to do today, um, she pops those mushrooms in a pressure canner. So let's get into the recipe here for just a moment. Um, When you are planning to preserve mushrooms in a jar, you must make sure that you're using uh, weight as your guide. So you you want to weigh your mushrooms in pounds, and you really want to make sure that you have Uh, between 11 and 12 pounds of mushrooms. Okay. Because it takes two pounds of fresh whole mushrooms just to fill one pint jar. So it's a lot of mushrooms. And if you want to really yield, you know, a a good five, six pints worth, you want to have 11 to 12 pounds of, of mushrooms. And then salt, like I said earlier, is optional. And uh, let's see here. Well, yeah, you're not going to yield five or six. You are. By the time it cooks down, you're going to get closer to nine.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back at canning university we're unlocking the flavors of food preservation year round dive into a world of safe and confident canning with our range of digital classes from principles of pressure canning to the art of pickling there's a course for every taste enjoy diverse learning mediums including engaging videos interactive pdfs exclusive podcasts and course certification to prove your skills join us on this delicious journey Enroll now at canning.university.
1: Pints. Yeah. You're going to have a good time. Now, again, it's going to change if you leave them whole. So I want you to really think of this. Don't get hung up on the jars. Just make sure you have a good, you know, flat of jars on the ready. If you have 11 pounds of mushrooms, but you're canning them whole, they're obviously going to be more jars filled versus sliced, which means you can pack them in a little bit tighter. So just just keep that in mind and don't get hung up on the jars. Focus on the weight. And then from there, as you start chopping or packing, right, depending on if you're leaving them whole or not, you're going to quickly see what your uh, jar count is going to be. All right. Now, some individuals will pre-soak their mushrooms. I do not pre-soak them. I give them a really good rinse and um if they're super dirty. Now, if they're not super dirty, I will brush them with a dry cloth to remove debris, and then I always cut the base of the stem off if if it looks like um there's still some of the the ground or the the dirt substrate wood whatever it's grown from if there's still something attached to the bottom I remove that with a paring knife but I don't overly soak them okay I just make sure that they're clean and um, if the species of mushroom is larger than a button mushroom, I will usually slice them a quarter inch thick you know otherwise I leave those button, button mushrooms whole They're just adorable. And um, I use them a lot of fun, especially a lot of um, Asian cuisines. So keep that in mind. But no matter how you plan to clean them, just make sure they're clean and then decide if you're cutting or leaving them whole. Now, once you've decided that and everything's clean, place your mushrooms in a stock pot and then I want you to cover them with water. And then I want you to bring that stock pot to boil over medium-high heat, and make sure you're stirring it often. You want to bring the mushrooms from the bottom up to the top so that everything is getting a nice even heat, and you want to make sure you boil it nice and solid for a good five minutes, stirring often. Now, if you're using salt, I want you at this point to add one teaspoon of salt to each pint jar and a half a teaspoon of salt to each half pint, okay? and if you're not adding salt because you're watching your salt intake that's fine. I never add salt because I don't want to add additional sodium to whatever recipe I'm using them for. I'd rather it just be one shot and done when I'm cooking, so I don't add salt personally. Now, once you have the salt in the jars and it's okay if you've, you know, if you want to just do the salt as you go because again, you you have a an Let's say you have an awkward weight of of um, mushrooms, or you're doing both sliced and whole. If you'd rather use the salt but you don't want to fill up too many jars and then wind up wasting salt you can you can add salt as you go, okay now, you want to ladle the mushroom water or excuse me, ladle the mushrooms into each jar, keeping a one-inch headspace, okay? And then I sometimes will use a slotted spoon. Um, It makes it easier so that I don't have to, you know, fight with the water content. You can actually just go right ahead and fill the jar using the slotted spoon and then go back through with the ladle and put the water over top. Um, regardless, you want to make sure that you're keeping a one-inch headspace. So if you are just going to ladle it up and put the mushrooms into the jar with the water, it doesn't matter. Just know that if you're not maximizing the jar space and there's more water than there are are mushrooms, um, you're kind of wasting that space. So so keep that in mind um, and then maintain that one-inch of headspace. Now, because we're dealing with um, mushrooms that might, as they get packed in there, they might have some trapped air pockets. What I tell individuals, if it's packed really tight and you can't get that headspace measuring tool in there, to just very gently tap your jar on the cutting board to release that trapped air pocket. And that will help you then, you know, keep your head space. You usually, once you lose a, a large pocket, you can add a little bit more of that water. I also hear from individuals that, hey, Diane, I went ahead, followed the recipe, and and I ended up with a whole bunch of mushroom broth. I really want to preserve that. Can I do so? And the answer is yes. You can just go ahead and fill additional jars. That is not a problem. And then you can process it right along with the mushrooms, or you are welcome to process it for the shorter broth times. It all depends on how many canner loads, right, you want to do. Okay, so once your jars are filled with mushrooms, you've topped it off with the mushroom broth. I want you to wipe the jar rims with a washcloth dipped in vinegar and then add your lids and rings and hand tighten. Now, the beautiful thing with mushrooms is they don't need to process for longer than 45 minutes for pints or half pints. And you're going to do that in your pressure canner. At 10 psi or according to your elevation. If you live in a higher elevation, you're going to more than likely use 15 psi. Um, If you're using a digital canner, you don't have to stress. It'll, depending on the model, it'll either give you the indicator to go 10 or 15, or if you use the Presto Precise, it's going to manage that for you. So no stress there. 45 minutes for pints and 45 minutes for half pints. Now, I did get asked if you wanted to do jars. In quartz, what would that look like? And that's going to be an additional twenty minutes, so that would be sixty five minutes for quartz. Now, having these delicious and healthy fungi is it's going to just make a very well-rounded pantry for you. And so whether you're you know using them to create meals or you're using them as toppers, it's going to save you a lot of time and money from purchasing them commercially. Plus it's going to be free from preservatives and whatever else they stick in a jar to keep them all uniform in color and formation. Have you ever noticed that? Like they're almost too perfect when they're in the the store and they're in a a, a aluminum can. I'll be honest with you. Your jars of mushrooms aren't going to look like the stuff that you see in the store. So... I personally take that as a compliment. I take that as a blessing. I want it to look like something that, um, you know, I can recognize and it's not foreign to me. And again, salt and seasonings, these are your options. And um, depending on how you're going to use the mushroom, you can have a lot of fun and get very creative. All right, everyone. I hope I've given you some fun tips and ideas. I hope I've made the instructions simple. I do hope that I've cleared up some of the confusion regarding canning wild mushrooms. And I hope I've given you an additional source that you can seek. So if you are a forager and you'd like to preserve that hen of the woods, the blogger um, over at healthstartsinthekitchen.com, Miss Haley, uh, she'll be able to help you out. So thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I love being here with you and I look forward to the next episode. And until then, happy canning.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.